Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Co-hosting the show today, my lovely wife, say hello to Dana Siegel. Hello, it's great to be here again, and uh, I'm excited about having a discussion about some interesting Bible topics today. So you promised you'd continue with the Q&A on that. Yes, we got a lot of good comments about mm. the Q&A we did a couple of weeks ago, so let's do another round. Well, and we only got through half of them. So oh, there you go. So <laughs> This is this is another win-win. group Win-win, good comments, <laughs> and we get to get through it. Win-win. Uh, yeah. So we have another set of questions that we're going to run through, and we'll see how far we get through on those today. This is a basic one that uh, I think a lot of people think about whether they're Christians or non-Christians, and that is, who is Satan? And I know people have given uh, lots of names, Satan, Lucifer, devil, the enemy, wondering how does the serpent fit into that? And so... Can you clarify for us on this? Yes. Well, as my tradition always does, let's start by who he isn't. He isn't Hollywood's version or even what people in different Christian sects over the years have thought. He's not some creature with horns and a tail, red colored, shoveling coal in hell. (laughs) He's not somebody who's going to rule in hell. That comes from a famous poem called Paradise Lost by the classic writer Milton. But that's not found in the Bible. Satan is a beautiful, intelligent being created by God who rebelled against God. Now, there are many Christians who believe that Satan was actually an angel. They're close. He was a heavenly being. He was probably like an angel in a lot of ways. And we are told that when he rebelled against God, a lot of angels in heaven followed after him. So there are evil angels who fell. However, the name that Satan is given in the Bible, and it's not just found in Genesis, it's found again in Revelation, where the words Satan and serpent is used interchangeably. He is a creature known as a serpent. Now, before I go on, some of you are thinking about the first time you saw one of those children's Bibles. The first time I was ever exposed to the Bible, and I was raised by parents who didn't believe in the Bible, I I saw the story of Adam and Eve, and there's this snake curled around the tree. And even as somebody in the second grade, I was able to say, well, that's that's stupid. A snake doesn't talk. However, the Hebrew word that they're using there for serpent means shining one. They're talking about some luminous being. Now, later on, after this being tempts Adam and Eve, or tempts Eve, and then Adam goes along with it, God comes and pronounces a curse. And what we're seeing in Genesis is the fall of man, the fall of woman, and the fall of the serpent all at the same time. Human beings were created for fellowship with God. That fellowship has now been broken. They're going to be expelled from paradise. But there was this falling that the serpent went through too. And in Hebrew poetry, we we read in Genesis when God's talking about the serpent, on your belly you will go. Now this is one of those, which came first, the chicken or the egg things. If all civilizations go back Back to Adam and Eve, and according to the Bible, they do. Then it makes sense that this story in the garden, which we consider a true story, would turn into some broken down, misrepresented, false stories and fables that got into other generations. And one of them was probably a distortion of this poem that, okay, you know, 
in a poetic way, God says, on your belly you will go. Well, that's just a way of saying you've been exalted. He was probably second in command of all of heaven. That's an educated guess. On your belly you will go means you've, you've fallen. It's just a metaphorical way of describing it. But imagine somebody years later looking at this creature that we call a snake or a serpent, and they go, oh, it's slithering on its belly. It's probably related to that original serpent in the garden. There is this creature that we call a snake and we call a serpent, and it probably goes back to the idea of being on your belly. But I believe that was just a Hebrew poetic metaphor. Serpent actually meant shining one. And so when we read the word Satan, the devil, the adversary, those are all different ways of talking about the same person. When we read the serpent, they're all talking about the same person, some kind of heavenly being. And by the way, the Bible takes the words heaven and paradise and Eden and interchanges those two. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden were in heaven. I know they located between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. There was probably some portal into another dimension at that time in the young earth where people could travel from earth to heaven, both being paradises. Giving you a lot more information than you asked for, aren't I, honey? But there's no. my short, brief, concise answer about saying it does get confusing to people. Yeah. So I did want to clarify some things. Yeah, no, that was that was fine. So so originally he was created to be a beautiful heavenly being he yes. made some choices so and, and an intelligent being so n notice when he was talking to eve she's not going gee a snake's talking that's weird she, it was it seemed natural so it'd be for him beautiful to be attractive in intelligent enticing intelligent, intelligent could make well obviously he was already and he, had, he had been good god creates beings as being good but he had like human beings a choice a free will and this was his moment of choosing to rebel against god he and adam and eve are all rebel against God right around the same time. He's starting it. They're following it. And uh, Lucifer is also another well, now, name. Lucifer is, that is a, more that's of a, a name that Christians use a lot. They get it from a verse which may or may not be talking about him. It comes from the book of Isaiah, and it says, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. That word literally means day star. And Isaiah, God, or God through Isaiah, was talking about a king at the time. Sometimes there was such a thing in the Bible known as typology. It happened a lot with Jesus where they'll start talking about some local king and the next thing you know, they're the prophets looking out into the future and they're talking about the ultimate King Jesus. So some have suggested, well, okay, they're talking about an earthly king, but they're also talking about how the inspiration behind this evil king, Lucifer, also fell. Is that possible? It's possible, but we've got to start with the king. And I would have to say that's the only time that that phrase is used. I myself don't use the word Lucifer to describe him. If you're a Christian out there and you've used the word Lucifer to describe him, well, you know who you're talking about. God knows who you're talking about. So it's okay. God's not losing any sleep over it. God doesn't sleep anyway. So <laughs> he can't lose sleep. But the, the point is, yes. just to be technical, not trying to start some division in the church, but just to be technical, we don't know that that place where they use the word Lucifer Daystar is necessarily referring to Satan. But so when they we, use the word Satan, they are definitely referring to this. Bit. So we could accurately call him Satan, the devil, the enemy. All of those would work and be talking about the same being. Could we also use the shining one or is the shining one pre the curse and now... No, well, no, because he's still very deceptive and he still yes, shines. And he so still... we're, to we're told in 
Corinthians that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He's a shapeshifter. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he has a he has a million the ability to he take has on, a million yeah. masks because he's trying to keep us from giving our lives to God. Now, if somebody wants to just be an atheist and not believe in God, great. But a lot of people like religion, so Satan he loves religion. Why? If you were going to hide a tree, where would you hide it? In the forest. In the forest. So if there's this <laughs> so if tree that God hide. wants us to find, Jesus, <laughs> Satan's going to put it in a forest or or at least build a forest around it. Okay. And so that... no, he doesn't come and announce himself as Satan. Now, there's always exceptions. There is a cult of people that actually call themselves Satan worshipers. That's a very rare exception to the rule. Generally speaking, Satan does not like to identify himself. He, as a matter of fact, he likes to masquerade as God. So a lot right. of these people, these right. other religions that say they're serving God are really serving Satan. And by the way, when, when I talk about people being deceived like that, I mean no disrespect. We were all deceived. Yeah, I was deceived by are. not believing yeah. in the supernatural yeah. at all once. And I didn't believe in a God or a Satan, I was deceived. So I'm not trying to cast any negative aspersions on people. Right. I'm just being honest with the information we have in the Bible. Well, and the whole reason for this conversation is to so that people can be aware of how he operates so that we can be able to uh, deflect him or be able to resist what he's trying to do. So it is important that, you know, we have this conversation. So another question would be, why do people say the world belongs to Satan? Well, this comes from several very interesting passages. The, the most key one, the temptations of Jesus. When After Jesus, right, uh, after yes. Jesus received that, remember, okay, Jesus Christ was God incarnate, the second person of the Trinity. He became a man, but he emptied himself completely of the mind of God, the glory of God, the power of God. He right. became a real human being. He was not born with a sin nature like we are, being descendants of Adam and Eve, but he, he was born through the Virgin and the Spirit of God. But he really did become a human being, God was coming and experiencing life and having empathy with us so that when we go to him in prayer now and we're struggling with things, he can say, I know what you mean. I've had that struggle. And Jesus was actually tempted to sin. He never gave in. He never sinned, which is the good news. Mm -hmm. But he was tempted. And these temptations originally came from Satan himself. After Jesus was baptized and received the Holy Spirit and there was an audible voice, this was the baptism of John the Baptist, saying, this is my beloved son. A lot of times after these glorious encounters with God, Satan will come along and send like a circuit breaker. And Satan was obviously very concerned. Here's the first human being I've never been able to entice to sin. I mean, we make the choice ourselves, but Satan fans the flame. And so he came and tempted Jesus. We get kind of a snapshot of the conversation in the Gospels. I'm guessing that when Satan first came and revealed himself to Jesus, he tried to disguise himself oh, really? and claim wow. to be God. Yeah. It doesn't say that. I'm making a guess, but... Some of the evidence for my guess is in their conversation, Satan starts quoting scripture. Now, Satan loves quoting scripture out of context. Yes. You quote the scripture out of context, <laughs> yeah. you could make it say anything. So Satan's Jesus had fasted, for example. He was in this 40-day fast, and he wanted to continue honoring it, so Satan tries to get him to eat. Well, there's nothing wrong with eating, except in this case, he'd be breaking a fast and a vow he made before God. So he says, well, if you're really the son of God, why don't you change these stones into food? Then he goes and says, well, if you're really the son of God, why don't you jump off this cliff? And then he starts quoting from the Old Testament. Oh, isn't there a verse that says God's angels mm -hmm. will take care That's of you? That's fascinating. And Jesus says, yeah, 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 there's a verse that says God's angels will take care of you. There's another verse that says you will not tempt the Lord your God. So notice how Satan's quoting the scripture out of context and Jesus is putting it back in context. 
And so the the third temptation, uh, or one of the three, was looking out over oh, all the land. Oh, that's right. That's you were asking. Part. Right. So <laughs> your whole reason for asking me this question who does the and world me going there. To? Yes, the third one. <laughs> he says all the kingdoms of the world have been given to me, and we're told that he showed them to Jesus in a single glance. Apparently, it's some kind of vision. And he says, "I will give you all these kingdoms if you will worship me." So notice again, he wants to be worshipped. He's quoting scripture. That's why I believe he tried to convince Jesus he was God. And Jesus says, I will only worship the Lord my God, meaning I don't accept you as being God. But here's the thing, Dana. Notice that when Satan said all these kingdoms have been given to me, Jesus didn't argue the point. Those kingdoms have been given to him. But then even from a little girl on, we're being taught that God's in charge of the world. We know God created the world, created everything that's in it. So it's a little confusing to say that Satan owns the world, but God's the creator and ultimately in charge. How would you answer the question, who really is in charge of the world? You know, it's always interesting. One of the questions people ask me all the time is, if the God of this world is so loving, then why is there evil in the world? Why is there suffering in the world? And the short answer is, well, the God of this world is not loving. Satan is referred to in the book of 2 Corinthians as the God of this world. Now, they didn't mean deity. That word God, theos, and use it as deity. That could also mean a ruler, a magistrate, a judge. Okay, so he's uh, temporarily in charge right now. How does God fit into that timeline now? How does God fit into... Well, here's the way it is. God created the universe and the world, and God gave the world to human beings. He put it under their custody. Oh, right. The dominion came to us. Their rule, their dominion. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God and followed after Satan, again, he was called the serpent, but Satan, the same person, then they took the authority that God had given them, they forfeited that authority, they threw it away, and then Satan became the ruler of this world. When God came back to this world through Jesus Christ, died on the cross for our sins, and rose from the dead, well, what are the worst two things that Satan can do to us? Tempt us to sin, it's still our choice, but tempt us to sin, and then kill us. A lot of times we read in the Bible, the book of Job would be an example, there are situations where the reason a person is dying is because Satan allowed for some kind of catastrophe. It at least goes back to him indirectly because the world is in a sinful state. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, sin was now forgiven by God. Penalty for our sin was paid. When Jesus rose from the dead three days later, death was conquered. So two worst things Satan can do to us, encourage us to sin and then kill us. But Jesus conquered what? Sin and death. So the death and resurrection of Christ reinvades this world. Then when somebody gives their life to Christ, the spirit of God comes to live inside of them, seals them till that day when they die physically, go into heaven as a resurrected being. And so for all intents and purposes, Satan is a defeated foe. Now that defeat will not flesh out ultimately until what we call the second coming of Christ. But imagine a, a ball, just to use a sports analogy, it's a baseball game. It's the ninth inning. You're looking at the score. We know who's going to win, but the team that's losing still wants to go out swinging. They're not going to forfeit the game. 
Satan has, for all intents and purposes, lost the battle because of what Jesus did. However, that's not going to ultimately play itself out until Christ returns to this world. So then what can Satan actually do to us and not do to us? Or does he have any limitations on what he can do? Well, let's start with the good news. The limitations are that he cannot do anything to us that God does not allow. But God will allow things. Got it. God Mm -hmm. created Adam and Eve. He gave them free will. He knew that when he gave them free will, they could choose to use their will incorrectly. They could choose to follow after Satan. But we're learning a big lesson with this. When people get sick, they start appreciating their good health. We've all been in that situation where we have a sore Mm -hmm. throat or something. We go, boy, I can't even remember what it was like to swallow and not feel like I was swallowing a piece of granite rock. So sickness causes us to appreciate health. Adam and Eve were in paradise, surrounded by goodness, surrounded by God. They were curious to know what evil was. It's it's very similar to this parable. And I think this is one of the reasons Jesus told this parable of the prodigal son. This son who lived on this estate and had everything his father wanted to give him. But he says, Dad, I don't need you. Just give me my inheritance. So the dad said, okay. And he goes out and he squanders it. And then one day comes crawling back to his dad. And his dad, of course, graciously lets him back in, in, in a major cosmic way, humankind is playing out the parable of the prodigal son. We told God we didn't need him. We wanted to experience life without him. But what do people crave? Every artist you read about, every poet you read about, every scientific breakthrough, we're looking to make life better. We're looking to get back to paradise. We're looking for a time when there is no more war, when there's only peace, no more disease, no more crime. And this is all made possible through Jesus. But God will allow Satan to interact with us, sometimes because we're not following him, but other times because just the whole world is learning that lesson. But he can only do what God allows. Okay, that's good to know. I think we can wrap up this part about Satan with what is our best defense against him and his demons or, you know, just all of his cronies that he has working with him. What's our best defense? The best defense against Satan is to not dwell on him, but put your focus on God. The Bible says, submit yourselves to God ignore uh, they, well they don't say ignore the devil they use the word resist resist the devil and he will flee from you satan and i should say there's this whole group of beings called demons descendants of fallen angels that follow after him they're in some unseen dimension we can't see them they have a back door to our minds through some kind of telepathy they're in another dimension but they can put thoughts through our minds that's where some of our temptations come from we can resist those thoughts and whenever we're talking about jesus christ or the blood on the cross or the instrument of their defeat. Every time we remind them of the instrument of their defeat, they shriek back in horror. Uh, But fellow Christians, you don't even have to go there. You don't even have to talk to demons. There are times when people are so succumbed to a demon that they have what we call deliverance ministries and demons are actually cast out and they're exorcisms. But generally speaking, 90% of the time, don't go looking for a demon under every pear tree. Be aware of them. There is this spiritual warfare going on. The Bible says we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. We should be aware, but be aware just so that you understand the world you're living in, but you mostly want to put your focus on God. Put your focus on God. Walk with God. If you're feeling tempted to sin, then just repent and turn to God and ask God to forgive you. Have as little conversation with an actual demon as possible. And when I say a demon, Satan's not omnipresent. So when we say Satan tempts us, it's not him literally, but just as we have guardian angels, good angels, we also unfortunately have guardian demons that are trying to pull us away. By the way, there's a brilliant 
novel that was written by the great C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. And it's fictitious, but it has wonderful insights and is based quite a bit on the Bible. And in this, we have uh, one demon writing letters to another demon, instructing him on how to deceive people. And it's just a fascinating read. It is fascinating, but it also shows how much C.S. Lewis understood about the antics and the ways Satan can move in our lives and his demons and so on. And so this is all the airtime we want to give to him. And yet... This is all the airtime we're going to give to who the Bible calls the prince in the power of the air? That's right. Because you know what? He's not a super happy topic. I, but... I did want to say, though, that before Jesus went to the cross during the Last Supper, he did say, now is the prince of this world going to be cast out. So he was letting his disciples know that by going to the cross and rising from the dead, that was going to be the instrument of his defeat. So okay. God created the world, gave the world to the custody of human beings. Human beings forfeit it. Satan took over. Jesus is now invading it like a secret agent, but will ultimately come, banish Satan, and rule the world as God once again. So everything will go back to the way it once was. And that's what I wanted to leave uh, leave all of our listeners with, was that you do have God's authority and power over him. And so those of you that are Christians, you know that, you know, that you are walking in God's love and his light. And you know what? Satan isn't going to be around forever. Thank goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and taking care of that. But we do want fellow Christians and others to be aware that he is alive and well and operating in the world. The Bob Siegel Show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash bob.